You are listening to Fed by Ravens with Matt and Adam. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Adam. Welcome to Fed by Ravens. Welcome to day 231 and 232. Just piling up. We're glad you're with us, and we are um, just going to keep talking our way through the scriptures. I know last episode, there was so much, but you know, we, we sat back at the end of it and we said, yeah, we're kind of hitting the highlights. We're getting the story. This mm-hmm. is what you'd pass on through conversation. It can't be a, a like verse by verse, every idea no. perfectly encapsulated. So we're glad, I, and I like it. It's giving us, it's preparing our minds to actually engage the scripture and listen, and not just come to it frenetically, trying to put out fires in our lives or, or get good luck yes. or something. So it's changing the way we look at things. That's good. Where are we today? In the OT. All right. The OT, baby. Our Old Testament reading for today is Song of Songs, chapter 5 through chapter 8, and Second Chronicles, chapter 10 through chapter 12. Let's wrap up Song of Solomon. Eat the friends, song. drink, and be drunk with love. <laughs> well, I actually need to slow down. <laughs> yeah, Song of Songs. Like, of all the songs written, this is the mother of them all. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the... From the King of Kings. And it's the perfect love song. Yes. Uh, what's that? Yeah, it's, the, it's not a silly love song like Paul McCartney sings about, but it's yeah. the, the love song. And so let's wrap it up. I mean, it just goes on. This is where it made sense. In the last episode, Matt said something about a nightmare and a dream. And I just went along because sometimes when you're talking around the fire, you just kind of go, yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. (laughs) But then as soon as I started the next day's reading, I realized what he's talking about. Because chapter five, all of a sudden uh, you have, now everything's broken up in he, others, and she, right? Mm -hmm. Well, she starts going... I woke up and my lover is gone and she's like drenched in sweat and she's looking all over for him and the guards are like beating her up and she's... Yeah, so it's like, again, this idea that she's heart sick. Like she's so much love, like she's sick. Like she wants to be with her. And I would say at this point, it's they're in the uh, betrothed, uh, the courtship process. And she's, she, she says, I slept, but my heart was awake. And she hears her lover knocking at the door and he's like, let me in, let me in. And she takes too long to open the door, like in a, almost like yeah. a dream. Like she's taking too long. She opens the door and he's not there. And so then she's running through the city at nighttime trying to find him. And she can't find him. Instead, she finds guards who beat her and torture her. And so again, it's for me though, the idea is she's in this dreamlike state of longing to be with uh Solomon. Yes. And she can't but she can't be with him quite yet. And that's this kind of and she's cycle. She's feeling tortured and she wants to be with him so badly. Okay, and that's this this is mm-hmm. referred to as the fifth cycle of this poem, of this yes. song. And you got search, praise, and then it, the end of chapter 6 or beginning of chapter 6 really is the garden dialogue. Mm-hmm. So it's like the reunion of married love. And then it goes into another cycle of search, praise, invitation, longing, and then concludes with love kind of theological and love application. Yeah, so again, the themes of she is a commoner, but Solomon sees her as royalty. And so like, I think a lot of the expressions that he uses, the affection expressions that he uses get lost on us as we're reading this and go, why is he comparing her to a camel or a horse? And again, it's 
images of royalty, and he's saying, "I when I look at you, I only see royalty. I don't right. see common upbringing." Like you can use some of these verses on um, someone you're courting or your wife or mm-hmm. your husband, but you cannot use all of them, right? Because they get crazy a little bit. I mean, I think it's a compliment when someone says your hair is like a flock of goats leaping down the slopes of Gilead. Right. I get it, but uh, other people may not. There is one phrase I just want to take totally out of context and hyper-spiritualize and apply it to myself. And um, I just want to say there's a description of uh, she makes of her beloved as a um, his body is polished ivory. <laughs> And I've always been made fun of for my fair complexion. Yes. I'm so pale, and I work hard to protect it with sunblock. Mm-hmm. But the Bible, you know, is this is a term of royalty. So from now on, I'd like you to refer to me and my body as polished ivory. Matt, thank you. Okay. Thanks. Cool. And then, again, she... Uh, uh, the woman through all of this, she constantly is again, saying this refrain of do not stir up love before it's time. And the, so the third character in this is like the, her sisters or the women of Jerusalem who are having a dialogue with her. And at the very end, they do ask like, what's your final advice? We have a young sister who hasn't fully matured. What should we tell her or do for her uh, as she, becomes like comes into an age of courtship and is betrothed and how do we what do we do with her and yeah and so again it's a uh she's like well keep her chaste like keep her Mm -hmm. um guarded protect her until the the wedding night yeah and that's how this ends there's there's it's always like what the prophet would give there's a now and then there's a not yet Mm -hmm. so the not yet part of this is we are the bride of christ and he is only in relationship with his church, his body. Right. And so you are only in relationship with him. And it's beautiful and wonderful. The right now part of this is wait for marriage to, be, uh, to unite your body and your soul to another person and become one. Knit yourself together. And if you're married, man, it is worth figuring out and you're it's a blessed thing Mm -hmm. so thank god for your spouse and work hard at it because there's a lot of joy in the intimacy not just physical but in the way you live life just like knowing christ there's intimacy we get with god now and forgiveness and joy and peace the fruits of the spirit and then there's eternal things and so marriage is a sacred place that really reflects god's love for his people yes i love it yeah so that is Conclusion for us, at least. Yeah. Song of songs. Song of songs. We did it, Matt. We did it together. Yeah. And, well, and, uh, and yeah, we continue though. Now we go back to Second Chronicles. Second Chronicles. And we are now picking up with Solomon's son Rehoboam. Oh, so sad. Yes. And so he goes to Shechem. If you remember, if you can recall, I can. Shechem. It's supposed to be a city of refuge, is a Levitical city of refuge, but a lot of horrible things have gone down in Shechem right. that have been the opposite of things it should have stood for. But it has become a central place uh, to kind of meet and do political activity. Mm-hmm. And so he, Rehoboam, now that his dad is dead and he's trying to unite all of Israel under his rule now, he shows up and Israel calls out of exile. Uh, Jeroboam, 
who Solomon had exiled, but God had anointed during Solomon's reign and told him, you will rule over the northern part of Israel. So just as a reminder, previously Mm -hmm. on the Bible, back in 1 Kings, the kingdom starts to divide through Jeroboam, who Mm -hmm. is not in the line of David, right, and Rehoboam, who is the son of Solomon. Yes. So that's what I just want to remind everybody. So he's been in exile because Solomon found out about the prophecy or grew jealous of him somehow and so he hears of solomon's death comes out of egypt and the people call actually call him as a representative because he it appears that he was one of the main um guys in charge of the workforce Mm -hmm. of solomon's workforce and so they're like hey now that we have this new king we'd really like you to speak for us and kind of negotiate renegotiate terms Mm -hmm. so we kind of worked a lot, really hard and built a lot of stuff under Solomon, and we would like to not work so hard. We need a break. Mm-hmm. So Jeroboam is kind of the, the northern leader of the people. Yes. So he says, lighten up. Uh, Rehoboam says, give me three days. He talks to his dad's old advisors. Mm-hmm. They say, these people will serve you forever if you lay off the work. Right. Then he doesn't like that advice, so he gets his contemporary, his guys he grew up with, and they say... Make them work. You're the king. Yeah. You don't live in your dad's shadow. You Push know? them even harder. So You're he, greater than your dad. Yeah. So he pushes them even harder. And this is the beginning of the end for everyone, really. I mean, this is the beginning of what we refer to as the sadness. Yeah. <laughs> and the sadness starts to lurk in. What's so shocking, though, is I remember reading once like the Nile River mm-hmm. or, you know, where it meets with the ocean, it, it pushes about two miles into the ocean, there's fresh water. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right? And mm-hmm. so I, I feel like with David and Solomon, Rehoboam immediately makes horrible decisions. He um, wants to go to war against the rest of Israel, but then the Lord has to say stop. Mm-hmm. And then he kind of humbles himself, but he ends up being awful. But for three years, everything was cool. Yeah, so in chapter 11, after the big split, Rehoboam's like, I'm going to force them to be underneath my reign. He's right. ready to go to war. Prophet Shemaiah, yeah, yeah, sure, uh, says, the Lord says, no, don't do this. And so during this time of actual peace, because he's still living under the peace that Solomon had brought around, and even though he's just managing Judah and Benjamin at right. this point, uh, he still has peace, so he's still able to continue to build up the cities and fortify cities because again you can't build unless there's peace uh jeroboam in the north if you remember he builds the two calves and says these are the gods that brought you out of egypt well also gets slipped in here that he builds goat idols which uh in the old testament uh the idea was demons were in the form of male goats and so they're worshiping uh idols dedicated to demons and so the levitical priests in all the rest of israel and all the other tribes because remember the levites were scattered throughout all the tribes to minister the word of god to them uh they're like you can't do this jeroboam and jeroboam goes i don't care i'm gonna make my own priesthood and so all the levites leave the rest of israel and go to judah i know i've forgotten about that i don't even know if this was directly referenced in kings because i don't remember that line no I think it was implied, but in at least Second Chronicles, it is straight up said, 
they all leave and go to Judah and are like, well, this is where the temple is. We're going to serve here. But that saves Judah. For three years. For three years, but then even... I mean, yes, it does. For the exile, mm-hmm. that's what they're saying. What saved them and the reason they even come back mm-hmm. is because all the people of God kind of were flushed back there. Yes. But yeah, it, it is like the river. It only lasted so long. Two miles... It only lasted three years, yes. and Rehoboam kind of gets lucky, and really the only luck he has is when he repents. You see the heart of God, because the leader of Egypt comes up and is going to take over everything. Yeah, so we get the, we get, for three years, he's uh, building cities, he has the priesthood, and he his family line is being established, and then this line in 12 the beginning of 12 and this is like a recurring theme and something we constantly need to check ourselves on is when the rule of rehoboam was established and he was strong i know he abandoned the law of the lord and all of israel with him that's the and that's the theme for all the bad kings is when and for us it's hard for the rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven as soon as we feel healthy and god's given us the job or given us the spouse we forget about god the Almost the harder thing in life is yeah. to handle success. Can you handle success? And I would say, if you are successful today, cry out to the Lord for mercy because it's much harder to handle success. Than it is failure. Yeah. Failure and poverty is easy. You know there's only one way to go. There's not a lot of opportunities or decisions. Yeah. You need help. But when you have everything... It's so hard. It is much more... It takes a lot more discipline to go, Lord, thank you, and I still need you to manage this with equity and justice and for good. So the Lord raises up the Pharaoh of the time. That Pharaoh goes up against uh, Judah, sweeps through Judah, annihilates all those cities that he just built up, is, sieges Jerusalem, and during that siege, our boy Shemaiah shows back up and says, uh, he basically says, this is all brought because you didn't listen to me, like you've forsaken God. And uh, King Rehoboam and the people hear this, though, and they humble themselves before the Lord. And the Lord tells Shemaiah, um, well, he humbled himself, so I'm going to turn my wrath. I'm not going to destroy them completely, but I am, since they did not want to serve me, they're going to have to serve the Pharaoh. Right. And so when you serve the Pharaoh, you lose all your great stuff. Yeah, because the Pharaoh wants all your stuff. So to not destroy Jerusalem... Rehoboam basically gives away a lot of the treasury, his personal treasury, and most of the treasury of the house of the Lord. Ugh. Yeah, not, not cool. great. Not, not cool. great. Uh, so then from to wrap up Rehoboam, we get he had 17 years of a reign, which is like, all right. Yeah. And, uh, that's that river freshwater. I yeah. mean, that's by the grace of God. Because he does still at least have some prophets and people there. So the things of God are still kind of being carried out under Rehoboam, although he personally is leading them away from God. Yes. He's beginning the so decline. did you catch at the end um, the chronicles of Shemaiah, yeah. the prophet and of, and of Edo the seer. seer? Like, it's just cool to pick up. There must, there's all these works of prophets. Yeah. And that's how they're compiling, like, 1 Kings, 2 Kings, Chronicles. Chronicles, It's so cool. Like, maybe in heaven we'll read those works and see how those guys interpreted. Because you know there's countless more stories. Yes. So they're just taking all the stories of the prophets because they're writing things down. Mm -hmm. 
and uh, putting them together for like a big national history. Yep. But then you realize at the end of Rehoboam's reign too, there are continual wars between Rehoboam and Jeroboam, and they did what was evil. Yeah. So the king of kings is gone, and now the search for a great king is going to take another 400 years until Christ comes, or longer, actually, longer than that. It's going to take 800 years or so. So we're back to the blues. Yeah. The main thing for me, though, is when things are going well, cry out to the Lord, because that's harder to handle than when things are not going well. New Testament. Our New Testament. I was turning the page. I know. Our New Testament reading for today is 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27 through chapter 14, verse 19. Whew. Love, love, love. Seriously. Love. All right. So again, <laughs> the constant theme of Corinthians is... Unity. Let's try it again. So we say it perfectly okay. together. The theme of Corinthians, Corinthians is y- unity. 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 Today is sponsored by unity. unity. It's like you can finish my sen- sandwiches. Sentences. See how hard it is, you guys. It's hard. <laughs> it's a miracle. And so um, Paul completes or concludes chapter twelve. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, and, and he's appointed in the church and he's, he goes through and he says, look, apostles are necessary. Prophets are necessary. Teachers, miracles, gifts of healing, helping, administrating, all kinds of languages and tongues and are all apostles are all prophets. So like stop trying to be the best and be the church. Yeah. And so again, he's saying, the roles and the gifts that the Lord has given that our diversity is actually to maintain unity. Yes, it is. It's, it's not a competition. It's roles to that are necessary to maintain the body. And that's why, even I mean, the simplest example for Paul, he's using it because it's like obvious of marriage. Mm-hmm. So it's not controversial when he's saying submit to each other in marriage because his bigger ask is. So you submit to one another in the church. Yes. And so the roles are important. We're not negating their gifts and yeah. things that are good. But it's all roles, and that means submitting to one another. The, the hands submit to the brain, you know, mm-hmm. and the brain submits to the heart, and the heart submits to, I don't know how the heart works, but um, he says, still, I'll show you a more excellent yes. way. And that's yes. what leads into chapter 13. It's not like... Here's how to love one another in marriage. You can extrapolate it and say, yeah, this yeah, is how so, you love one so another. So chapter 13, the famous love passage, you've probably heard it at almost every wedding you've right. ever been to. Because it's beautiful poetry. It's a beautiful ideas. But did it. you know? Did you know? That this was actually originally about our love for the people in the church. Right. This is describing. So think of chapter 13 as describing at least your goal. You're not there yet. Yeah. But we should be aiming to interact with people in the church this way. Yes. And I almost just want to read it. But he goes on and says, uh, I speak, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Mm-hmm. I mean, so right off the bat, he's saying, if people don't understand what I'm saying, or if I'm speaking in the language of angels, which historically is considered Hebrew. Hebrew. Right. And so imagine, I mean, no one ever talks about this, but think mm-hmm. about it. You're a Roman 
or from Corinth, you're a Gentile, and you're being brought into Christianity, and the and word this, of God is written in Hebrew. Yeah. That's the language of angels. That's the whole. That's how you meet the God of the universe. So then you're like, I got to learn Hebrew. Mm-hmm. I got to speak this language. Mm-hmm. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. If I don't have love, then I'm just a noisy gong, a clanging cymbal that was used in the worship of Dionys- Dionysus and yeah. Sybil, and they're making all this kind of ecstatic noise in the in the false gods mm-hmm. in their temples. And he's like, well, we don't do that here. Yeah. And then he's like, if I have prophetic powers and understand all the mysteries and all the knowledge. And again, the mysteries cults were really big at this time. Mm-hmm. He's like, but I, and oh, and he even goes, and if I have all faith to remove mountains, but have right. not love, I am nothing. So again, he's like, look, I can have all these spiritual gifts that you guys are searching mm-hmm. after all of these things that all these other cults are like, I can promising tell you, you the future, the you secrets know. of the universe. Yeah. He's like, but look, if you don't have love, the basic love for one another, then what is even the point? Right. It's it's all useless. It's unfounded. Mm-hmm. Well, then, you know, where we get into love is patient and kind. I mean, think about this in terms of, like, in the church. Yes. First of all, go to church. And then within that context, don't slip in and slip out. Because how else could you be patient and kind if you don't know what's going on? Like, actually know people, but be patient and kind. Mm -hmm. Like, they're not going to know what you know. Or they're going to know a lot more than you. That's okay. Be patient, kind. Don't envy. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. That's hard. Especially when you know a lot more. You're richer or you're giving money. I'm giving money, but this person's... Mm -hmm. So, it does not rejoice at wrong, but rejoices with truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Well, I was also thinking this is an amazing summation of everything he's been talking yeah. about up to this point because he's been talking about the different divisions and who can do what and who has this gift, who has that gift, who who can eat of the Lord's Supper and who can't. And, You're right. And he's just going, look, or in the whole conversation with the weaker brother or the stronger brother, like and he's freedom. like, look, 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 we're patient with one another. Right. We're going to be kind to one another. We're not going to resent each other. We're going to build each other up. Well, even going back to, this really is the exclamation point to everything said from chapter 1 through 12. Yes. Because even it's like some of our Apollos, some are of Peter, some yes. are of Jesus, some are of me. He's like, it's love. Love never ends. Mm-hmm. And then he says, like even prophecies, they'll come and go and tongues will cease and knowledge will come and go. Everything comes and goes. But, um, and even what we know about ourselves and know about Christ is all kind of comes and goes and when I was a child because we're all kind of we're children in this Mm -hmm. and we only see partially because things are veiled one day we will see face to face and I'll know not in part but I'll know the whole I'll be fully known but until then until we are made perfect in the new creation and we stand before Christ and it until then we have to be overwhelmed and covered and all like submersed in love Mm -hmm. And then he, he even says, like, faith, hope, and love. So you got to have faith. you got to have hope. And if you can break that down to all the minutia, mm-hmm. I mean, really, it's like we could be fighting over carpet color in the church. And it comes down to, do I have faith that the church is going to survive with your color carpet? Do I have hope that even though you were choosing the wrong color c- carpet, that people can still meet Jesus here? And do I have love for you and go, I hate the color carpet you chose, but I love you and I know you care and you're on this, so right. I'm going to trust. Right. Right. Like, it, you can, with the help of the Holy Spirit, work out any issue 
That's why Paul's not getting into the issues. He's tried, and he has gotten into some, mm-hmm. but he's like, love is the greatest of all. Yes. And we have to receive the love of Christ to be able to operate and give the love of Christ. Mm-hmm. And so if you're dividing, you're not receiving the love of God properly. Yeah. And again, to the idea of faith and hope will one day pass away as yeah, well. Because yeah. Because one day it'll culminate in, in pure knowledge. We'll just know because we'll see Christ, we'll know him fully, and he'll know us fully. And But this thing that never transforms, the thing that yeah. never goes away is love. Love. Even, in, yeah, forever and ever we will mm-hmm. know love. Faith and hope will all be seen. I love it. So then we get into continuing the theme into chapter 14 of pursue love. So now, oh, here's what I get. So 14 is, yes, the exclamation point. He's driven home. We need to be unified. So now he's going, let me tell you what some practical things about what this unified body of Christ yeah. should look like. So right. let's get into um, pursuing love and earnestly desiring and recognizing the differences. Mm-hmm. Because there is a way. So now, knowing this love thing, let's look at what it means to talk in tongues or to prophesy or do any of this stuff. Right. And so there's this is a, another chapter that is like... Loaded. Loaded and debated yeah. <laughs> uh, all over. But... Frame the, the right question, though. Tell us... what's the, You were saying something about there's a wrong question, which we still engage in. The, 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 right the question that we constantly go to with this chapter yes. is what does he mean by tongues? Are tongues real or not real? Is not it right real. or wrong? Is it is it languages or is it the uh, babbling of the Holy Spirit? Right. What what are we doing here? What is it? Wrong question. Mm-hmm. This is not what's being addressed. What's being addressed is what is good for the whole? What is good for the yes. body? Because we want to love one another. So if we're going to love one another, we're going to think about what is necessary and good for everyone? Right. What is good for everyone? When you read through this passage, I've been in so many Christian camps on this one. And just to catch everyone up, the camps are that the gift of tongues is, the word is glossa, and it's an actual language. Mm-hmm. And so like at Pentecost, the apostles were speaking a language. They were presenting the gospel. It was a reversal, reversal of Tower of Babel. Right. And so it was a language that you can present the Gospels to all the languages on earth. But then there's another experience of tongues where one kind of lets go of their mental processing. They just follow the Spirit, mm-hmm. and the words are unintelligible. And, um, and then that camp has seen God do great things, especially in 1900, mm-hmm. of uniting people of different races and everything through the gift of speaking tongues, which is this unknown language. Right. So when we say speaking in tongues now, we're trying to figure out, oh, are tongues real? Because, right. Or are they not real? And then the other side who believes in tongues thinks, oh, everybody should speak in them. Right. And that's a sign of being saved. Yes. Paul Isn't would say, I do not care about that conversation. <laughs> you are obviously all saved through faith in Christ. Tongues. I do not care about tongue, that And then when you read this chapter, you realize he... He goes straight up and says, look, if I speak a different language without meaning, it has no purpose for the church. Right. So then the one group is going, yeah, this is a, a foreign language. So he's talking about Hebrew or the yeah. angel, the angelic language of Hebrew. Yes. And it doesn't do any good if you don't interpret it. But then he says some crazy things here about, um, 
I pray with my spirit, but not my mind. And then the other group, if they keep reading in chapter 11, says, see, there's a kind of prayer where you're not engaging your mind. Yeah. You're just letting the spirit flow and make noises through you. Yes. And I think now it's brilliant that Paul doesn't care. He doesn't care. He's like, yes, can God do that? Yes, did good things come from that? Cool. What I care about is, and he says over and over again, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Yeah. The end of this conversation really is just, what is going to be edifying to the people that show up to worship with us? We are meeting in my house. We are not going to be divided by race, by, uh, by wealth, by sex, by slave or free. Or language. Or language. And so it doesn't matter. Like So in our context, if we all show up and Adam gives a service in Latin or if he gives a service in uh, babbling, that is not helpful to the rest of us because we don't know Latin and we don't understand what he's saying in this babbling language. What is helpful is if he speaks plainly to us and says, God loves you. Right. And he sent his son for you. God loves you and you. That's five words. God loves you and you is worth more than amazing, mysterious um, speaking in tongues or an amazing sermon in Hebrew or Latin or Spanish to an all-English speaking church. It really is like so practical where he's like, I need you to look around your 50 to 70 person church, which would be a really full house church to his original audience, and say, don't speak the king's language because you're all rich. Right. And if you do speak in a certain language, because again, the, the Corinth is a seaport, right? Yeah, it's a hodgepodge. Like, so if you're just using the lang- like actual language yes. interpretation of this whole passage, it does make a lot of sense within this context because you have Hebrews and, and uh, Gentiles, and mm-hmm. even they are all from different parts of the world. Right. And so there's, there's Greek, there's Latin, there's Hebrew... There's all these different dialects and languages coming together, and he's just going, "Look, just speak the one that makes the most sense to everyone." And that's what make, but that's what makes the church so beautiful mm-hmm. is that it's made up of all these different colors and languages. Yes. But when you do get together, you need to interpret. If someone is speaking a different language, interpret the German yeah. for for everybody. Yeah. Or say the five words you know. Um, and again, these original worship services, people are standing up and responding. Mm-hmm. They're talking during the service. It's not so American or modern in that you just sit and listen like a lecture. Mm-hmm. It's much more interactive. And so Paul is guiding these things by saying, please do it orderly. Please do it in a way because we are governed by love. Yes. And so we'll let you figure out the uh, what tongues means on your own time. Yeah. But as far as Paul is concerned, um, five words spoken intelligibly are worth more than 10,000 words um, that no one can access or understand. Boom. Thanks, Paul. It's so easy when you take the time to read the whole book and study it diligently. (laughs) Today I will read Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. 
For the Lord is good, his steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. Boom! You've just been fed by ravens. Go in peace and serve the Lord. We will talk to you next time.